Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 26. On this week's show, we're going to be looking at the other private island Royal Caribbean operates, which is Coco Cay in the Bahamas. This island paradise is a favorite among Royal Caribbean fans, so we're going to discuss the beaches, shore excursions, and pretty much everything else there is to do in Coco Cay. We've also got a lot of great listener messages to share with all of you, so let's get right into it. Here we go. Coco Cay is Royal Caribbean's private island in the Bahamas. It's actually known as Little Stirrup Cay officially, and it's part of the Berry Islands, which is a collection of cays and small islands located approximately 55 miles north of Nassau. <laughs> it's basically a bunch of really, really, really small islands. Royal Caribbean acquired ownership of the island way back when it acquired Admiral Cruises in 1988 and renamed the island to be Coco Cay. Coco Cay offers activities such as swimming, snorkeling, kayaking, parasailing, scuba diving, and even wave runner piloting, but really... What it's all about is a beach day. Getting to Coco Cay requires tenders from your Royal Caribbean ship, and often I've heard a lot of cruises where they actually skip Coco Cay because the conditions aren't favorable for tender use. Usually what's happening is it's too windy or the surface too rough for safe tendering. And unlike Royal Caribbean's other private island of Labadee, there's no dock here, so it really depends on the weather, and it seems like Coco Cay suffers from poor weather conditions more so than Labadee, and this usually is a problem. Honestly, it seems like ships... Having to skip Coco happens more often than you might think, so it's something to keep in mind if you're planning a cruise going there. It's not like it's you know more than 50-50 by any means, but it seems to happen enough that enough people comment when they're talking about Coco It's like, oh yeah, that's the island we've never been to, even though we were supposed to go a bunch of times. So there's that. The tender ride from your ship is pretty short, actually. It's about 5-10 minutes. It's probably one of the easier tendering processes I've encountered on Royal Caribbean cruises. You'll basically disembark at Tender's Landing, located at the Marina Basin on the east side of the island. From there, it's an easy and short walk to any of the island's four beach areas. All shore excursions depart within a short walk of the main complex right then and there. Now, Coco Cay has a lot of the same things that Labadee does, in fact. There's a live music usually playing along the island, a full buffet that's complimentary for everyone on the island. There's a few bars as well, and some picnic tables and even hammocks to lay out in. The island has four major beaches, Snorkel Beach, Water Sport Beach, Coconut Willies Beach, Barefoot Beach. Now, as you might imagine by the names, each beach is ideal for certain activities. Snorkel Beach is, well, great for snorkeling. Water Sport Beach is good for use of jet skis and the like. But meanwhile, on the east side, Coconut Willies Beach is more for general beaches of like swimming, and Barefoot Beach is even like that also, but it's even more secluded given its distance from the tender area. In fact, you can really walk all the way, nearly all the way around the island if you follow the end of Barefoot Beach. But there's not really a whole lot to do once you get beyond the area of Barefoot Beach. It's just a lot of water and sand and not very developed. But if you like walking, it's a great place to do it. Beaches also offer things like volleyball courts and some other activities for you to do here and there along the beach. So if you're into, you know, not just sitting around but being active, plenty for you to do as well. Now, unlike Labadee, the beach chairs are already out there. So there's no need to track down some dude and get him set up for you. You basically show up. Chairs already set up. You just grab one and claim your spot. In terms of what there is to do, Coco Cay, the obvious option is to just simply lay down on the sand and relax with swim breaks in the ocean. The beaches are really beautiful, and the water is usually pretty calm and really beautiful looking as well. Now, for those that like a little more activity, well, you can always rent a paddle boat or a floating mat or take shore excursions. Like there's wave runners that you can rent, kayaking, parasailing, snorkeling, scuba diving, and more. All the excursions that are available on Coco Cay are only available through our Caribbean because it's, of course, their island. Also, there's Kailena's Aquapark, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, a water playground basically that features things like a floating sandcastle, a water totter, and a log roll. And obviously this is going to cost extra, but like Labadee, it's something great for the kids or, <laughs> or adults like me who want to enjoy jumping and falling off things back into the water. It's a lot of fun. 
Now, there's also a straw market in Coco Cay where you can buy souvenirs like purses, jewelry, clothing, and the like. There's also hair braiding available. It's right when you get off the tender area. It's to your right as you come off. And it's something to get there if you're interested in maybe a trinket or two, something to remember it by. It's a, your typical straw market, and you've been to the straw market on, say, Nassau. It's fairly similar to that. In addition, it's also quite similar to the market on Labadee in terms of, you know, there's a bunch of people that are locals that are there selling things. And honestly, you should probably be negotiating the price for anything you're buying there. Now, for snorkelers out there, actually, Royal Caribbean's put something interesting. They actually put a sunken replica of Blackbeard, the famous pirate captain, his ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge, to explore down the bottom. So something to look at besides just, you know, fish. (laughs) There's also a nature trail if you're looking for something to do more on land and want to kind of get some exercise, maybe, or just enjoy what's available on the island. Personally, I just love to be able to lay down on the beach and relax. Okay, for me, is great because for kids, it's awesome. The water's really calm. It's just a nice, easygoing beach. Everything's very flat, easy to see everything. It's one of those islands that's just great for doing nothing and just enjoying a beach. And of course, there are excursions that are available to you, but when I go there, I'm always about just relaxing. And you know, it's really beautiful, and if the weather permits, I think really Coco Cay can be a pretty day and the kind of place that you can really indulge in relaxing. It's really a huge beach day. Now, Coco Cay also offers cabanas for rent, and I'll put a link in the show notes to an article I wrote, recently wrote on royalcaribbeanblog.com that details uh, renting a cabana. And a, But you know what? Here's a quick rundown on how the cabanas work. Now, Royal Caribbean built a number of cabanas to rent, and they're offered first to sweet guests on your cruise, but any remaining cabanas can be rented on a first-come, first-served basis. You can go to the Explorations Desk on board your Royal Caribbean ship and put your name on a list, and I recommend doing this as early as possible for the best opportunity to do this. Honestly, first day of your cruise is the best time to do it. You can have maybe some luck showing up on the day of. I had that kind of luck at Labadee, but there's no guarantees, and if you really, really want it and you're not staying in a suite, it's probably best to do that. Put your name on a list at the Explorations Desk and hope for the best. The cabanas cost $200 per cabana, and can accommodate up to six guests. The cost is a flat fee, so it doesn't matter if you have two people or six people, same price. Now, what does that $200 get you? Well, you're going to get a private ocean view cabana rental for the full day. It's going to become furnished with two luxurious resort-style lounge sofas and chairs. Amenities include deluxe lunch buffet, so you get a private buffet, actually, beach towels, two floating beach mats, four bottles of water, and two sets of snorkeling equipment. Now, it doesn't matter how many people you have. If you have six people, you're still only getting two beach mats, and two sets of snorkeling equipment so you got to share. Towels are for your use during the day. The most important thing, I think, to know about renting a cabana is all of the cabana area is private and secluded from the rest of the people on the island. There's actually no beach access from the cabanas. You can see the water. You just can't go in. If you want to swim, you have to actually exit the cabana area and walk to the nearest swimming beach, which is like a couple-minute walk. Basically, where you see the water, you're right on the water, but if you look down, you're kind of like on an elevated shelf, if you want to call that. A plateau, perhaps, and you can just look down and it's just rocks, but you can't go swimming over there. So the real benefit of the cabanas on Coco Cay is really the exclusivity of the area and having a private beach experience. It's quiet and definitely far less crowded. Depending on how crowds are overall, it can mean a really more relaxed experience. Like anything that's a perk, it's something that isn't necessary, but it's nice to have if you can afford it. Now, earlier, I also mentioned there was a lunch provided in Allen in the form of a barbecue. The food is decent and your typical buffet lunch. Not the widest variety of food, but if you're on the island, it's your only option. And you know what? It's fine for what it is because it's free. I'm not a big fan of the island lunches in Coca or even Labadee for that matter. But honestly, for a burger or hot dog fan, it's hard to go wrong with grabbing something here to eat to tide you over until you get back on board the ship. Coco Cay is a really fun island to visit for a good beach day, assuming, of course, you can actually tender here. That's always a consideration, something to keep in mind. 
If I was going to be a true geek and rank Royal Caribbean's private islands, yes, all two of them, I'd still rank Labadee higher just because of Labadee's dock and the cabanas there actually have beach access. I think for someone on an Eastern Caribbean or Bahamas itinerary that's looking forward to a port stop here, you ought to consider this a good beach bum kind of day. Just like the pool deck, spots fill up fast at the closer beaches, so getting the island early is always a good idea. And you know what? I really love how pretty the island looks. And as I was looking through some of my old photos from my past trips there to get ready for this episode, I was really struck by how photogenic the island is. And it reminded me, it's hard to go wrong with a day at Coco Cay. And you know what? That's what's great about Coco Cay is that it's just so beautiful, perfect kind of day. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on Coco Cay. If you're a big fan of going there and if you've had luck going there, I'd love to hear about how that works. I know one of our listeners, Don, has actually been on like three or four crews or more and has never actually been able to dock there. It's an ongoing joke on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards that he never gets to actually go to Coco Cay. So I'd love to know how what your luck has been in terms of getting there. And if there's anything that stands out in your mind, of course, you can email us, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, time to answer some more of your emails, tweets, Facebook messages. I really love this part. And thank you so much, everyone, for sending them in. Keep them coming. I love reading them, and I really love talking about them. It's like having you guys here, except I don't have to pay for expensive hotel rooms. (laughs) First email is from Heather Brown. Hi, Matt. Can't express how much I love the podcast. As a self-confessed Disney World nerd, that is what led me to this podcast. I took my very first cruise in May of 2013 on Allure of the Seas. I work on commercial fishing boats, and to get me on a boat for my vacation is nothing short of a miracle. I prefer all-inclusives. When you spend 10 hours a day on a boat, I prefer a lounge chair on sand while looking at the ocean. The opportunity to go on alert came along, and I jumped the chance. However, I'm afraid that I'm ruined other ships and other cruise lines. Last month, I went on an inexpensive home port cruise on Carnival and was disappointed beyond words. Except for the fact that Carnival is 24-hour ice cream, my room was, and my room was exactly 77 steps to the machine, I had a good time. Uh, and it was good to see how Carnival does things. Can you suggest a Royal Caribbean ship I should try? Going on the biggest and best isn't the greatest idea. She has some more questions. We'll get to that in a second. So let me answer that question first. You know, that's a, it's a good, you know, it's kind of like you've been ruined by for all other ships. And I, I totally get that. I think what you have to look at it, Heather, is there are other great ships that Royal Caribbean has that are certainly large. And I think you definitely want to stick to the larger ships. In Royal Caribbean's case, I can't speak for Carnival. I don't know. The class is all that well. I think Dream is a big one, but I don't know. The big one is, of course, uh, Freedom Class and Voyager Class. Both those ships' classes are at least in the ballpark of Oasis. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oasis-class ships are far and wide, much, much, much larger. So those are definitely ones to consider. Freedom of the Seas, Liberty of the Seas, Independence of the Seas, and, of course, all the Voyager-class ships. Those might be options for you to consider because they are, in some cases, they were the biggest ship in the world for their given time. The other thing to consider, of course, is looking forward, perhaps, Heather, is Quantum of the Seas. Now, it'll be smaller than Oasis class, but it's bigger than anything else that Royal Caribbean has. So it's kind of that middle ground there. And maybe you'll become a Quantum of the Seas fan as well. I think you really enjoy it. And, of course, I think also not only is it the largest ship, but also the the newness of it, right? The new amenities, the whole that whole thing will really help a lot. So maybe it's time to book the Quantum of the Seas. Maybe, Heather, it's time to join us on our Royal Caribbean blog Group cruise. Yeah, I worked that plug in, people. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Heather, I think you'll really enjoy it. Quantum of the Seas looks amazing. And of course, Anthem of the Seas will be following suit. So maybe you just need to stick with the newer ships. That's your cup of tea. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Heather has another question. It seems to me that to get a good deal, the further out you book, the better. I am single, so I'm never quite sure who will be traveling with me until closer to the date. What are the rules for booking cabin for two but not having the name of the second guest? You know, actually, this came up with me, Heather, because I was looking to book a cruise, but I wasn't sure who would be cruising with me. And I was kind of working with my travel agent, and we were talking about it. And I think the best option is you ha- you give them a name. 
it's best to give them however many names you're going to have. So let's say you're cruising. You know you're going to cruise probably with, let's say, I'm throwing uh, numbers out here, three people. Give them two other names. If you're only going to cruise with another person, probably, then give them one name. It's better to basically, if you're if it might be two or three, go with three rather than two is what I'm trying to get at. But anyway, you can give them any name. Give them, you know, Joe Schmo or whatever. Give them your mom's name. Give them your, your brother's name, whatever. You can change it up until final payment. So that's okay, and that might be the best course of action. Really, if you're just putting a deposit down, it's all right. It just gets more tricky when you get to, like, final payment day and things changing. So Heather has some random thoughts and comments she wanted to share as a rookie cruiser, which I love. She writes, as a maritime professional, I did the behind-the-scenes tour on both ships. Loved it, loved it, loved it. On alert, you need to make sure to sign up at the instant you set foot on the ship. Do not proceed to your room. Sign up for the tour first, then check out your room. And an interesting side note is that on Royal Caribbean, they allow you to take pictures. Carnivals, you can't. But Carnival does take three group pictures they give you for free along with a hat and backpack. Royal Caribbean should give the freebie some thought. Also, while on alert, I had spreadsheets to make sure we didn't miss any of the shows, make sure our dinner plans didn't conflict with uh, sunsets or port departures and just about everything else. But all the hours of scheduling paid off. We missed nothing. I felt like the Lentesta of alert. Nice. Alert also had character dining for breakfast. As two grown adults, we went and had a blast with the Madagascar characters. Limited seating, so make sure you have reservations well ahead of time. I haven't heard you mention that on your podcast. Also, the signature roast beef sandwiches at Central Park Cafe were outstanding. Same goes for the made-to-order salads. And I now pronounce it Winjamer. Makes me chuckle every time I hear it. <laughs> Heather, that's great to hear. I'm glad I convinced someone else to call it the wrong name. <laughs> and, you know, the breakfast actually is a great idea. We've always meant to do that. And the problem is it's always scheduled. At least it was on Freedom of the Seas at like 7 a.m. on like a sea day. And we would be so tired. And we were just like, you know what? We're going to sleep in. <laughs> but it, I've heard nothing but great things about it. And it's free. Which is really nice. So if you can get up that early, I guess, more power to you. So thank you, Heather, for the great comments. Next, we have an email from Dennis. I enjoyed your most recent podcast on the main dining rooms. I'm more of a traditional cruiser, so I look forward to dining in the main dining room with the same table and wait staff each night. We booked Quantum of the Seas way back on May 28th when the booking became available. At the time, our travel agent booked us for early seating at 6 p.m. It was noted on our online reservation as such. Now, a few months ago, that was deleted, and we have a message saying dining information will be determined in the spring of 2014. Royal Caribbean literature says there will be more dining options on Quantum than ever. I hope, however, they're not phasing out the beautiful main dining room for smaller venues. I was hoping that you might have some inside information as to how dining will be handled on Quantum. I greatly enjoy maybe one of the special restaurants per cruise, but I've been very happy and hoping that the main dining room experience will not be ending on Quantum. Any information or ideas on how dining will be handled would be greatly appreciated. I hope they at least offer my time dining so that we can reserve the same time every day. We shall see. It just seems that information about Quantum is coming out much more slowly than when Oasis was being constructed. I guess we must be patient in obtaining specifics. Dennis, I heard the same things you did. I think it's too far out to quite jump to that kind of conclusion. I hope you're. I hope they're wrong as well, Dennis. I like the main dining room experience, and I think it has a place on any Royal Caribbean ship. We'll see. They may be going with a more flexible plan. Who knows what they're coming up with, honestly. I'm hoping they're not going with, like, the Norwegian approach, which is just like... I mean, Norwegian still has a main dining room. It's just not very good. And they just really try to push people towards these specialty restaurants. I'm hoping it's going to be the case. And maybe they're just going to try to rethink it somehow, or... I don't know what. I can't pretend to know. Unfortunately, I don't have any more information than that. But, I'm again... I'm crossing my fingers that they haven't just abolished the entire main dining room experience as we know it. And the note about news coming up very slowly, I completely agree. They've been very, very slow in the last three months or so, putting out news, really. But, again, as I said earlier, I really, really believe that as we move closer, they are going to more and more and more news. And I think by the time we get to spring at the latest, we're going to really start seeing a slew of news. And this summer is going to be, I hope you like nothing but Quantum of the Seas news, because that's all that's going to be coming out for a number of weeks leading up to that launch of the ship, because... 
I think they've just been biding their time, really. I think that's all what it's about. They want to make sure that they, when they start getting the machine rolling, so to speak, in terms of news, they're just going to have it pumping on on sixth gear. So we'll see. Thanks, Dennis. Next, we have an email from Marie Ross. We booked a 16-night cruise in September 2014 and would like to have a breakdown of the dress code so we can purchase what is required. For example, how many formal nights and how many smart, casual, and how many casual nights? Well, Marie, on a 16-night cruise, I looked it up. There are three smart, casual nights and three formal nights. The rest of the evenings are casual, so have fun with that. Next email is from Kayla. Hi, Matt. Loved your post on the official guide to getting excited for Royal Caribbean cruises. Even though you dubbed it as silly, I'm sure I'm not the only one who appreciates planning an upcoming cruise. My husband and I can relate to all of your recommendations. I love watching the Oasis of the Seas episodes of Mighty Ships on YouTube. I also love finding our roll call to get to know all the people that will be joining us on our sailing. And last but not least, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to cruise shopping. That's my perfect excuse to go buying that new hat, dress, or gadget. I just bought the new GoPro camera for snorkeling and the Dragon's Breath zipline for our much-anticipated Quantum of the Sea sailing next January. Looking forward to Royal Caribbean announcing more about Quantum so we can start planning our onboard activities. Kayla, we are like kindred spirits because not only did I agree with everything you said, I also bought a GoPro camera for my cruise. I actually got one for my Navigator of the Seas cruise. I'm So far, I'm trying to come up with some ideas. I've been watching some other YouTube videos how to use it. I think I'm going to do like a time-lapse video and put that out the window at least to start with but it'd be great to use it. the thing about the gopros though they are addictive in terms of accessories if you go like on amazon and search for gopro accessories there is a accessory for everything but i'm really looking forward to seeing that and please kayla share me with that video you take going down the dragon's breath with the gopro i think it'll be awesome so very good thank you kayla and what would our email section be without an email from our good friend, Christopher Percy, who writes, Hello, Matt. On episode 25 of The Main Dining Room, food, one of our favorite aspects of cruising. Like you said, it's objective, and therefore, one has to form their own opinions versus listening to others. We've always enjoyed The Main Dining Room and enjoy getting to know our table mates and waitstaff. The waitstaff is usually very accommodating and will bend over backwards to please our guests, so don't be afraid to make special requests. Recently, we did try My Time Dining for the first time and enjoyed the experience. The option of eating in different venues is a plus, and the flexibility as to the best time to eat based on the day evening activities is welcome too. Thank you, Christopher. And you know what? I haven't tried the My Time Dining myself, mostly because I just don't have an interest in it. I kind of like the regular experience. I think My Time Dining is Royal Caribbean's answer to the whole freestyle dining thing that some other cruise lines go for. I think that's more of a fad, and frankly, I'd rather go for the main experience. If I'm not going to eat the main dining room, I'll go up to the Windjammer and eat there, to be honest with you. But... I'm glad that you worked out for you and you enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's certainly another option. And like uh, someone said earlier in the, the email that we had, you know what? It gives you a little more flexibility. So not bad about that as well. So glad to hear that worked out for you. And as always, thank you for the emails, Christopher. Let's go to Facebook. And we have a message from Dan Morello. Right. What deck do you like to stay on? It's a good question, Dan. I was actually thinking about that. I said, well, um, you know, usually I stay on a higher deck, like maybe deck six and above. I've never really stayed. I don't even think about it. I've ever stayed below like a deck, so like on deck two or something. I haven't. But you know what? If it means I'm on a cruise, I honestly will be okay with staying on any deck. Uh, I just like those middle decks, like deck 6 to deck 11 or so. I think it's always gives you the, a good ride, and they're convenient to a lot of things, which is nice. I, you know, it's good to be near what's going on around the ship, and those are always good decks. And it's easy to also be quiet decks, certainly. So that's why I tend to gravitate towards like deck 6, 7, 8, or 9 or so. It's rare that I've stayed higher than that, to be honest with you. So hopefully that weird answer helps you there. We have a tweet from Michael Eads at Sonic15E. Couldn't agree more about the main dining room. The MDR is fantastic. It's one of my favorite things about cruising, good food, and fun people. 
I agree, Michael. It's a great experience. And you know what? I just think to me, it is what makes a Royal Caribbean cruise fun, or at least part of it is the main dining room experience. I just, I just look forward to it so much and I can't wait to go back there myself. Good comments and messages all around. And of course we want to hear from you. So if you want to send us a message, you can of course message us on Facebook or facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog on Twitter. We are at the RCL blog email, Matt, M A T T at Royal Caribbean blog.com or call the voicemail. 408-646-408-676-9256. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.